and welcome to The Raw Bar. I'm Goddess Cecilia, sexuality and pleasure educator slash consultant. I've invited my friends and colleagues to sit, snack, and get real and probably a little salty about sexuality and pleasure. We've also saved a seat for you. Grab a drink, something to munch on, and your willingness to explore and experience something new and pleasurable. excited to be joined by Jessica. We are going to talk about a lot of different things. I feel I've been in the industry for a while, like, oh my gosh, 15 years. But I know that I don't know all the things, you know, and Jessica's been one of those people who I feel like I've learned so much from. And here she is. Hi! For folks who don't know, Jessica has always been that friend. The one you went to when you were nervous about your first kiss or your first sexual experience. The one you go to when you aren't sure which sex toy to buy or which condoms are best. The one you talk to about the STI that is terrifying you or the partner that might not be the right fit. The first one you told when you got turned on at the dentist, which will never happen to me. <laughs> we talked about this. We've talked about this. We'll talk about it more, maybe. <laughs> Bringing decades of experience plus formal education and a healthy dose of adult retail to her coaching, she can help you find a more rounded and grounded you. What are you waiting for? Give yourself permission. Ooh, I love that. I, when I read that the first time when you sent it to me, I was like, oh, oh, I love it. Jessica lives in Washington, D.C. with her partner and their pup. She identifies as curvy, pervy, queer, polyamorous, and femme. She's of Mexican and mixed European ancestry. She studied design in both undergraduate and graduate school. So you already know the taste is like up there on that level. All of those parts of her come together in her passion for creating spaces of beauty and comfort in her home, garden, and business. All are wonderful. So I wanted to read all of that because you have, I was saying this right before you came on, like, I feel like I've learned so much from you as a friend and like, you're just such a valuable person in my life that I want others to know because I'm a two and it's like, I want to tell people about it. We're going to talk all about that <laughs> later. So you said you've done design, which I think to the untrained person might not necessarily know how that might work in the sexuality realm, but you know, you did start there. How did you end up deciding to be or to focus on the sexuality field? Because I just kept coming back to it. It started probably in middle school, but definitely in high school. I remember like I was that friend that like all of my friends came to. Even before I actually knew what the fuck I was talking about, people were like, yeah, tell me things. And so I was like, before Google, right? I was like researching and trying to figure out all the answers. And so I always thought it was really fascinating, sexuality in general and like, sex and what our bodies do and how our bodies interact with each other. And then when I was in undergrad, I was taking a lot of art, well, I was majoring in theater and design for theater, taking a lot of art classes. And I got super interested in erotic art and what that has meant throughout history <laughs> and how that has changed 
changed and like what that looks like and how that talks to people and how it has been like a little bit of an educational tool. Yeah. And so me and my like 21 year old, I'm going to conquer the world wisdom was like, I'm opening an erotic art museum and a sex toy store and a community space. And I'm just going to blow the water out of DC. And this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to be the first person to do this here. That was 22 years ago. I haven't done that yet. Well, there's always time. So I'm loving doing it with other people now and having that Mm. like a community effort because the people I've like you and like the rest of our squad and the other people who are in my life right now are changing the world and they are like blowing things up and so to be a part of that community is like it's everything to me yeah that's so true and and really like to your point about like all the responsibility like it really kind of helps to sort of even it out a little bit right and I think that's part of community work is that like everyone has to have some involvement in it because it's it's how we move forward. It's how we like can build bigger things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And speak to different people. You know, you and I yes. are going to speak to different, appeal to and speak to different folks. So like. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I love. And it's like, and that's what I think is the coolest thing is that like we can bring all of those different aspects to different groups of people and they'll trust that they will get good information and then I could be like I don't know all the answers here's someone that I do know exactly which is I mean amazing can you tell us all the different things that you are doing right now (laughs) so my main career at this moment is Mm -hmm. I own a wellness center with my partner my life partner and my business partner which you know is like a little potentially like yeah we've been doing it for 10 years officially this month 10 year anniversary congratulations Um, and it's been it's been hard at times and we've worked through it and I think we're much stronger now than we've ever been because of it honestly so that's magic but so freed body works is a wellness center in here in Washington DC that we co-own they are the therapeutic end of the business well they run the therapeutic end of the business and I Mm, mm, mm. manager so I do the numbers and the overseeing and all of that stuff it's very glamorous Mm -hmm. I mean, it's important. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. Glamour and importance. Exactly. Right. And I love it. The business was founded as a space to create space in wellness for marginalized folks, for marginalized bodies, particularly for trans folks who just are so often left out of wellness because of fear yes. and, and ignorance. That's what I do. That's my day job. And then I also work at a sex toy store called Lotus Blooms in Alexandria. Awesome store. If you're in the DC area, it's phenomenal. I love my job there. I love it, love it, love it so much. I feel so grateful to get to do that. I think educating in that kind of environment is one of Mm. my favorite ways to do sex ed. I really like teaching. I like coaching. I like working with people, but that like 15 minute interaction I'm going to get with somebody to like, you're going to tell me your little life story. I'm going to tell you some information and you're going to go have a really great time with that is I just right. so, so exciting. Yeah. And then you really end up getting to not physically touch, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually like touch people yeah. in such quick bursts. And you really end up getting more people in a way like your client base becomes huge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I was just thinking that like you, if ever it was a thing y'all wanted to do, like you and Francis could probably write a book about like 
how to run a business with a partner that isn't like because I feel like someone has written that book and they've done a <laughs> shitty job and they're like super flowery about it and you're gonna be like no this is the shit but for that me. happens <laughs> right right but for real this is the shit that has to happen and um, we have survived business together I don't know if we'd survive writing a book together <laughs> <laughs> that's fair okay that's fair <laughs> that is totally fair that's like a totally different process it is. get it yeah I get that <laughs> okay you've done a lot I feel like you said 20 years right like holy moly that's 22 years nah I'm not the business person in my own business apparently <laughs> so that's the museum and all the things was 22 years ago I think my first like official foray into like being paid for and like really doing Mm. that was in 2008 so that's 15 14 15 yes somewhere in that realm (laughs) it's a teen it's a teenager it's a teenager they're fun in all of that time what have you what have you seen as has been like really frustrating about the industry and what has been the most rewarding part of working in the sexuality field Mm -hmm. so frustrating and rewarding yeah I'm gonna start with rewarding because I'm nice (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to that what that means in a minute oh yes so rewarding I think that like I said, like I talked about a little earlier about the community building, I think that watching the community grow and watching the awareness and the conscientiousness with which mm. folks are approaching sexuality and the topic of sexuality and the way that like, you know, when I when I came into this, it was like a really fucking huge deal that feminist toy stores existed. Yeah. Been so in this like short amount of time, that's kind of I mean not the other stores are still around and it's still a really huge deal that we exist but like in that amount of time there are so many more I think at that time I could kind of name them all off the top of my head and now like there are so many the the resources are so available I think that growth and that awareness of sex education as an important component of Mm. people's lives is incredible and the way that people are doing it you know I think that my frustration is that like anywhere and it's not it's not just in this community but my mm. frustration is with people's egos I think mm. I sometimes people get to a place of knowing things that they feel like they can behave poorly or act in ways that don't include mm-hmm. and sort of stop learning and I'm genuinely not speaking of anybody in particular here I think as a whole this happens Mm-hmm. And so it's frustr- it is a little frustrating for me to see how things do get stalled by by ego and by ego. Yeah. That's a really good point. And it is so true. You do see it in a lot of different industries. I think maybe partially because it, I'm in it, it hits so much harder. And there's there's a lot of the like, man, yeah. like how did we miss that? How did we like not see that? There's a lot of the short sightedness that ends up happening when people's egos get involved for sure. Ugh. yeah that's true yeah do you think that the there is any forward movement with any of that like because I do think that like okay people's egos get involved and then what happens like do you think that it is the same thing that kind of ends up happening over and over or have you seen any 
forward movement with that because I'm thinking of several different instances where I feel like, okay, that's happening again, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer that question. I'll be honest because I think okay. the last I think the last like year and a half has been difficult because I mean, well, the last year and a half has been difficult, but it has sort of meant that I'm not as the things that I would gauge that by aren't as mm. for me in my world. So I can't really answer yeah. like recently. Okay. It's gotten better. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Well, so what do you think has been the most impactful thing that has happened in the industry so far? It kind of touched on it a little bit, maybe about the potential growth of the field and having more, but is there something else that you think has been like really impactful? I think that bringing intersectionality into the conversation of sexuality has moved the conversation and the education and the field light years. Yeah. Recognizing what we are and aren't addressing and how those things are important and impactful. I think that a lot of sex talk about sexuality forever has been about Mm. cis heterosexual white people for the most part. Yeah. A little bit of, you know, white gay male conversation thrown in. And so I think that the voices that are coming into to the sexuality that have been coming into the sexuality field and make space for that and having those con- those difficult conversations and having that present has mm. advanced the field. And I think that we could have predicted that, you know, like right. <laughs> so far. Are you looking to unlock your inner truth to finally live a life of empowerment? My dear friend and fellow Filipina, Coach Amabel, helps women and femmes of color to overcome limiting beliefs so they can live their lives of vitality and freedom. Explore the one-on-one and group coaching possibilities by scheduling a connection call with them today. Drop a note at amabelnarvaez.com or head on over to their Instagram at amabelnarvaez. That's A-M-A-B-E-L-N-A-R. V-A-E-Z. When you diversify the voices that are talking about it. <laughs> what do you know? What do you know? <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? No, that's so true. Because, and I think that the con- like the topic has always been there, but more and more, it's like actually a part of the conversation and people are making more of a concerted effort. I mean, I'd like to hope that people are making more of a concerted effort. At least from what I see, <laughs> some people are. I actually also wanted to ask you, I, I know this wasn't one of the questions that I put on your list of questions, but I wanted to talk a little bit about how your design knowledge has interacted with your sexuality knowledge and like different projects that you've worked on. Yeah. Or like events and things like that. Interesting. I can't help but think of things in a spatial context. You know, my undergrad was theater, costume design. I went to grad school for interior design. And I just always think about things and how they relate to each other in space. And Mm. that goes for bodies as well. And creating, so bodies, but also bigger than that, creating a space and a container for your sexuality and where that's going to happen. One of my favorite things to talk to people about outside of like sex toys and my job at the shop where I am right now is... How to create your, make your bedroom a sexier space. I know. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, how to get your, sort of get your mind into what it is that you're doing based on your environment. That's cool. Mm -hmm. 
That's very cool. That makes such a difference. Right. And you're not talking like, okay, now put, you know, a St. Andrew's cross here in this corner. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you hang your sex swing. Right. No, I mean, like, do you really want the picture of your mother to be the thing that you look at while you're in doggy style? You know, like, honestly, you know, (laughs) think about about what it is in your space and what's going to be conducive to that environment for you. Mm. Oh, wow. So you're saying, so what you're saying is that maybe my piles of laundry that I haven't folded, though potentially useful for cushioning, (laughs) (laughs) it's clean. Right. I think it's not an issue for everybody. I think that some people can have sex no matter what, like they just, it's, Mm. that's where they are. But I think if you're having any sort of like difficulty with getting your brain in that space then yeah I mm. think you know, having your having your piles of laundry there it's in your mind that like I haven't folded the laundry look that one is dirty and god those re- repairs have to be done don't get a chance to turn it off if it's sitting right beside you right while right, you're, right while you're trying to get into a more physical sexual space for yourself or with somebody else yeah wow and speaking of sexual spaces yeah. one of the things that you have produced has been Hot House, mm-hmm. right? Which I have not had the pleasure of attending because <laughs> travel and pandemic and yeah. stupid shit like that. Oh yeah, and a baby. It's fine. Oh, can I tell them about this morning? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so this morning, Jeff and I were doing a little bit of chatting and prep and uh, my son, Son, saw her picture and I said to him I was like oh that's Pisa Jessica I remember we sang happy birthday to her the other day and he's just like oh Pisa Jessica but he doesn't say Jessica right because it's a hard word like s's are hard for him so he says Pisa Jessica <laughs> it's so cute he's uh, then he started singing happy birthday Pisa Jessica and I was like Oh my god, that's so cute. Like he just started singing it. And it was so fun. First of all, I love that you two have a birthday so close to each other. I tried. I tried <laughs> to make it a little closer. <laughs> so you'd be like your birthday present, but it was close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was early. It was an early birthday present. I'm like really well, you got to meet him. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you know, you um and Dirty Lola came to my house and like helped me, helped us. Do the thing that you are so good at doing, which is helping with the space. <laughs> um, but you got to meet him. And I, I just love that that was a thing that we got to do. And I was trying to, like, I couldn't remember when exactly y'all came. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to look for the pictures the other day. And I was like, I don't remember when y'all came. November 2019. Oh, okay. Right before Thanksgiving. Okay. I'll have to look at those pictures. He was wee. Oh, he was a wee little one. And I just love that he's going to have you as like a trusted adult in his life. You know what I mean? Cause I'm sure there's going to be one day where he's going to be like, none, I get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he'll have some, someone like you in his life to even just like video chat and be like, none, I being annoying. <laughs> I am literally looking forward to it. Okay. I did want to ask a little bit more about like hot house and like what the process of planning an event like that Mm-hmm. is like yeah I guess I'd have to say like pre-pandemic and yeah. then maybe like yeah yeah we have not had one 
We're supposed to have one this past Saturday, actually. So Hot House is a queer play party that me and a friend of mine co-host three times a year in uh, Baltimore. It was in, used to be in D.C., but we moved it up to Baltimore because the space is awesome. So we have not had one since the world shut down. We were going to do it, but then with the Delta stuff, we just had to say we cannot create a safe enough space yeah. a container we don't feel like it's a responsible thing for us to do so we canceled it but before that we've been doing it now for eight years wow oh i didn't know that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wow it's been around for a while it might even be nine i'll have to talk to my co-host and see when we when it was we can never remember for some reason when we started <laughs> i don't know no dates are really it's all like, good well it's all arbitrary anyway, it really is So we have a really fortunate relationship with the Baltimore Playhouse, which is where we host our party. And they're really amazing. They help us as far as like creating a safe container. Like they are really Mm. strict about like how you can commit, who can come in and whatever. You have to have RSVP and we have to have said it's okay. And so like we're able to create a space where 120 people can show up. And we have had over that amount of time, we've had maybe a handful of people who were like, not really appropriate to be there. No real big incidents. It was mostly just like, that person is creeping me out. And for those of you, like, if you don't know, like, play party, it's basically like a big space where we can come together and get our kink on. And doing it at the Baltimore Playhouse means that there's all kinds of kink furniture available to play on lounge area for folks to just sit around and talk. Some people, a lot of people just come and like, hang out. And that's like, all you do, like the couches are like the best place to be. And so it's, it's a real sadness right now for, for a lot of us that we can't have that space. Yeah. I'm really, really excited to get back to it. We're really, really hoping that our party in December happens. I have so too. I know everything just feels very like uncertain. Yeah. For the next like several months, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah, I feel that very hard. There's so little space, and it's changing, which is nice, but there's so little space for queers to gather in a really safe queer space that, like, we have folks come. I see a couple of them on the, like, pops up to have joined a couple. You know, we have folks from Pittsburgh. We have folks from Connecticut. We Like, they come from sort of all over the place to to be in this space. There's another similar party that happens up in Connecticut, and it's similar. Like, people migrate up for that one, and they come down. Yeah, yeah. So it's just really nice to have that. Community. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bummed because Massachusetts basically doesn't allow that. It's such a bummer because I, oh, well, I mean, we have to go to Rhode Island, I guess, if we wanted to go and do anything. But like, it always struck me as so funny because, you know, Massachusetts likes to pretend like they're so progressive, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're so progressive. We're blue state. But yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. what she's talking about is like, you can't consent to being hurt. So BDSM is not legal in Massachusetts. So who are in that community have to leave the state to to legally. It's an interesting thing for a very puritanical state, I guess. But I don't know. I'm hoping that soon we'll kind of catch up. But who knows when that's going to happen. Yeah. And especially not in the next couple of months. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so... Okay. Now I want to ask you about Enneagrams. Okay. I don't think that I could describe what Enneagrams are very well. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can, if you're cool with it, could you please explain what they are? Yeah. And then tell me like how you got into it. Sure. So the Enneagram is one, is a symbol essentially. And the Enneagram as a whole 
if you distill it down to the most basic, basic, basic way that people would understand it is a personality typing system. And I will caveat all of this with, I am currently diving into like deep study of the Enneagram to be able to use it in my practice. And so as I am getting more into the the knowledge of it, it is actually getting harder for me to describe it because I want to like tell everything about it. So yeah. Putting it, filling it down. I'm hoping that at some point I'll go back to being able to like make it easier, but it's sort of a personality typing system. What I love about it so much is that the goal of it is, so it's divided into nine types and they're numbers. Mm -hmm. So I referenced earlier, I'm a type nine, Cece's a type two. And each of those have sort of characteristics that are like your base personality. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is that so many people are like, you can't put me in a box. It's not about being put in a box. It's about recognizing some of the ways in which you fundamentally act in the world and what those, the intentions behind those things and what the purpose of the Enneagram is, is to, it's like a self-help thing, right? It's about looking in, seeing those things, recognizing them and seeing how you might grow into a healthier person, into a better person than, mm. than you currently are, or not, not even currently are, but then you are inherently at your base state. So, okay, okay. so like, for example, my type, type nine, we tend to sort of want to placate people. We want to keep the, we're called the peacemaker. We want to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. We want everybody to be happy. And a lot of times it's sort of at the sacrifice of our own wishes and mm -hmm. we will very much like defer. You be happy. We want you to have your thing. But what if you have that thing and you have that thing and I have nothing, but that's okay. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And so one of the work of the nine is to say, no, actually what I need and what I want is important and it does matter. And I can still do these good things that I inherently want to do, but I can take myself into account also. Okay, cool. So each type has its things. Each type has really, really amazing qualities. So it's a really fascinating system. It's derived from studies of ancient wisdom throughout the world. So mm. it's not like it is relatively new in the function, in the structure that it's in. It sort of derived in the mid 20th century by this guy from oh. South America. And what he did was he like went around the world and collected a bunch of information about societies and personalities and all of these things and sort of put it into this, this symbol, this Enneagram symbol of nine components and continued the development of that process. Do you remember what each of them are called? Like the one, two, three, four, like, because you said your nine is the peacemaker. Or not all of them, but most of them. So one is the perfectionist. Two is the helper. Three is the <laughs> achiever. Four is the individualist. Four is really like be different, not be like yeah. else. Five's the maybe the researcher. I can't remember for sure what five is. I think it's the researcher. Sixes are the loyalists. They're like super, super relationship friend. Like all of that stuff is very important to them. Not that it's not to anybody else, but seven mm. is the enthusiast. My, Francis is seven. Sevens are like the hedonists of the Enneagram. <laughs> they want to have all of the experiences and sometimes they try to have all of them at the same time. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Eight is the challenger and nine is the peacemaker. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I kind of wish I had an image of what the Enneagram thing looks like because it's so fascinating. So it's a circle with a five point and a seven point star in the center. That's and then cool. each point connects to different points on the Enneagram. Mm, and so there's, I know that there's like, wing i mean we could you could probably talk all about all the different like the wings and like how each of those things are connected and like when a two acts a little more mature they become more like certain other kind of number and all that stuff it's so fascinating yeah we all have i mean yeah. we're all 
by other parts of the Enneagram and the goal is to integrate mm. all of it, right? So, oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. So we can learn from all of our oh. numbers. We are most connected to certain numbers. So the ones on our either side are called our wings. Some people follow a school that where you are a wing. So okay. like you are a nine wing eight. But mm. I, follow, I follow a practice where you are both of your wings. They both influence mm. you. You have both of those components in you. And you can learn from both of those things. My one wing and my eight wing influence how I'm a nine and influence how I can grow. Oh, that's cool. But I, I like that because it gives you more things to learn from instead yeah. of like, well, you only have to like follow this thing. And it doesn't feel really rigid either, which is kind of interesting. Because I feel like there's so many other personality test types that are like, okay, you're this Mm -hmm. and this is all you are. And (laughs) and people get very, um, very attached to it. Yes. And people get very attached to their Enneagram number and that's fine. And that obviously means that they're, what their number is, it really resonates with them. I think anybody who wants to go any further than that in the self-exploration component of what the Enneagram system does can learn more and grow more. Like people who look at their zodiac sign and they're like, I'm right. that's what I do. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that's so true. That's so true. But yeah. more about who we are and components. One of the things I really love about the Enneagram is that unlike the zodiac, and I'm not anti-zodiac, but like that is such a like happenstance thing. It's sort of left up to chance and fate when you're born and where the stars align and all of that stuff. And so like, if you don't necessarily believe that where the stars were when I was born have anything the fuck to do with who I become in my life, that is a very hard thing to wrap your brain around. Do you work at or attend a college or university? Are you looking to feature a sex educator who can speak to the students about a variety of sexuality topics? Well, your favorite mermaid goddess sex educator is here to work with you and administrators to provide an entertaining and educational experience. I love working with college students, especially because I can keep it real while providing accurate sexual health information. Topics range from pleasure anatomy to pleasure tools to pleasurable permission pleasure-centered workshop about consent. I can help make sure that the student population can be better equipped humans as they explore the world beyond their homes. To book a workshop with me, head on over to goddesscecilia.com. That's G-O-D-D-E-S-S-C-E-C-I-L-I-A.com and fill out the form on the contact page. Globally, we all sort of fit into a certain number of personality traits and which one of these resonates more with me. That's very self-determinative. That makes sense. That's a really interesting way to look at that. How did you learn about the Enneagram? So it sort of swept to the queer community in DC. Everybody was talking about it for a little while. This book that I had, the, the Wisdom of the Enneagram, was sort of made its way through my community and everybody was checking it out. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, we would joke about once you found your number, you'd know because you'd want to throw the book across the room. And (laughs) yes. So this book has been thrown across the room a few times, but it became such an interesting way of communicating with my partner, Francis, once we both Mm. understood more about each other from that context, which is a very non-judgmental, very removed way of looking at yourself like oh yeah okay yeah that's a personality trait that I have okay cool and I think that like being able to sort of step back from it and look at it and say "Mm -hmm." so now Francis will be like listen you're being you're in your nine right now (laughs) right right 
do this thing, you know, or I can be like, all right, my seven, calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of the like calling out, but it is in the way that's like being like, hey, you know, like this is you right now and this is what's happening. Right. Right. Yeah, that's so true. So I think as that, a two, know, it's a lot. The reason that I'm studying it though is because of how effective it has been in my relationship. And I think mm. it's the incredibly effective tool for other people's relationships and so my hope is or my goal is to integrate it into sex and relationship coaching to use it to help people grow yeah so I've seen a lot of and this is the what I'm seeing a lot of at least on social media is in the astrology world there's a lot of like memes and like yeah things like that like different accounts are out there that only promote that sort of stuff and the same is happening with Enneagram stuff and I don't know if it's like new or I'm just catching up to it now but at least with astrology stuff I mean you can only do so much in a meme and so sometimes it's like uh, it's like really general or it's like it talks about like the big things of different signs that we already kind of know about do you find that that's the same with like memes about the Enneagram or I would love to hear your thoughts and your critiques (laughs) I love them I think they're great I think you know they are very surface level just like any other meme is going to be so like they are taking that big bold characteristic of a type Mm. and putting it into a meme one of my most favorite ones is so nines also are very like because we're so like no everybody keep it chill like the peacemaker it's really hard to rile us up mm-hmm, once we're angry mm-hmm. we're angry but like it's really hard to get us there and so for yeah favorite ones there's a account called Enya dog and it's this kitten that's like clawing on and climbing on and smacking on the same yeah, yeah. saint bernard is just like sleeping and it says when you're trying to instigate a nine or not instigate, antagonize, whatever, a nine. And it's just like the St. Bernard is like, and the kitten is like, no, 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 play, play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there. And I think they're fun to look at too. They can be as a person who like is diving in a little bit now, like they can be a little bit. I know one of our friends is like having a, a difficult time determining what her Enneagram number is. Mm, mm, like mm. a lot of times those bigger stereotypes don't necessarily fit you, even if you are that number. And so like they can be a little misleading also. But so mm. it's like an astrology science too. Like right. I'm also a Leo. Leos are supposed to want to be all performing all the time, the center of everybody's attention and all the things. And- uh, and that's, right, right, that's right. every now and then but that's not me a lot of the time and I know like in astrology there's a lot of like other factors than just that one sign that are like affecting you and I, I think one of the schools of thought too is that all the planets are in your chart <laughs> because they're all in the sky like at any point do they disappear right <laughs> so at some point they all affect you in some way or another I think is some I don't know if that's all of the astrology schools but it's definitely a couple of them so that's really interesting I love that though, because I feel like I I don't hear a lot of people in the sexuality field using Enneagram in their like coaching, but I do know that there are a couple of like podcasts, I believe that are really more like religious leaning, which I find really interesting. And I don't know if they're specifically about like relationships at all. So I I just know that they have that lean to them. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the Enneagram is not inherently of any religion. Mm. There is a spirituality component to it, but that spirituality isn't any kind of specific kind of spirituality. So it's not Christian. It's not Jewish. It's not Muslim. It's not any Buddhist. It's not like every particular spirituality, but it is your spirituality. 
And so there is a very large Christian Enneagram community. And actually, they've done a lot of great work in the Enneagram conversation. I think probably also some damage like anybody else would. I think probably mostly because a lot of people I talk to about Enneagram are like, oh, yeah, that's that Christian thing. It's like, mm. oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. There's, I mean, they have a big presence. It is important to say it's not of any particular religion or whatever. It's a great tool for relationships. It's a great tool for conversation because it's a great tool for self-understanding. If you find that path through your church, then that's fine. If you find that path through your sexuality coach, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm going to ask you a question about me as a two. Okay. And really the question is, we've known each other now for four years as a two that you've seen me display in, in a very like two way and what are things that you've seen I guess like has there been have I like have I gotten better <laughs> not better <laughs> Jessica am I a better person <laughs> I mean I think the fact that you recognize and can talk about and like acknowledge the things that aren't necessarily serving you in your two-ness is amazing and that's mm. incredible twos are also another very self-sacrificing type and they just want to help everybody that they care about. You have taken a lot of steps to put forth what is important to you and take mm. care of what is important to you and accept help from other people in that. And that's a hard thing for a two to do. Yes. Let me tell you. The knowledge has come from like learning more about the Enneagram has 100% like helped a lot because it's like, okay, so how can I do this better without burning myself out? Or I'm still learning and I'm still trying to be better for sure, as I'm sure we all are. Mm -hmm. It has been a really useful tool in that way because it's really been like self-reflective and there's a level of like accountability almost that happens and I don't know if that's specifically the Enneagram or if it's the like accountability that I feel I have to have as a two. <laughs> there's two books that I love this one which is the wisdom of the Enneagram I think mm -hmm. it's great it's a really really good overview and then if you want to go just a little bit deeper this one is called the complete Enneagram and that one is like this is this is the one that actually really got me to like oh, okay cool we're gonna do this it's really really interesting for me I've really found it to be and maybe it's part of my type maybe it's how the Enneagram works I'm I don't really know but I've sort of found it to be a, like I can take it out of myself like oh this isn't Jessica being a bad person and doing this shitty thing this is a nine response and this is how this happened and this is how these things influence that response being a thing and now I can put it back mm. inside of me and say, okay, that's not going to do this any differently, you know? Yeah. So it's not removing personal accountability, but it's giving yeah. you an opportunity to, to look at it outside of yourself as a thing that lots of people do. Yeah. And take some of the judgment away and then right. take it back and figure out how that's going to be different in the future. Well, I'm going to rewatch this and like listen to that sentence over and over again, because I think that that's a really poignant way to use a tool. Right. And I feel like a lot of people just are like, okay, I'm going to use this tool. and I'm going to discard it because I'm done. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. Right. It's always available all the time. And it's not just you. It's not, like I said, it's not Cece being a shitty person. It is right. a personality trait that lots of people have. And it comes from these things. And then this was your childhood and this was your thing and whatever. And it led you to have this kind of response, this kind of behavior pattern. That's cool. Do you find now that you can, you can kind of like get to know someone and be like, oh, you're this person, you're this number. I mean, 
Yes. Like it cuts so deep, right? I mean, like the first time you read yeah. it, type, it's like, how did somebody just like open up my chest and read my heart? They took a spork they and did. they just like dug into it and then presented it to you as barbecue. Exactly. You know, meeting a casual acquaintance and being like, so how do you feel about being six? <laughs> so I do have one more question. Okay. If you were to interact with someone who is new to the sexuality field and wanted to do similar things to what you've done now, what would your advice be to them as far as like getting started and also being conscious that we are still in the middle of a ponderosa? Right. I think the most important thing, honestly, I would not be where I am if I did not have the community of educators and friends that I have. And my queer community. Can't do it alone. You can't educate in a vacuum. You can't learn in a vacuum. You can't grow in a vacuum. And so building your community and whatever that looks like, and however big that is, is I think fundamental to being able to do this work. Also, you're putting so much of yourself out there that Mm. having a space where you can talk about, rebuild yourself each time is important. And those of us who are doing this kind of work understand that about each other. Yeah. That's good shit, Jessica. Thank you. I mean, I can't general build your community, but like in this work, I think it's really important. I 100% agree. (laughs) We can't do this. Living, working in a silo, working in a vacuum is not the deal. Like it's clearly not worked (laughs) in the past because we've seen people try that and it's certainly not going to keep working as we move forward into through this parallelogram and beyond the parallelogram. And, you know, I think also within those communities, you have to be able to learn and grow and be flexible and hear things about yourself and be able to tell each other about yourselves. It's really, really important because you can't grow if you think that you're like the best, that your information is always the right information. So finding your group, we have our squad, finding our group, your group where you can say things and people are like, "Mm, that sounded pretty ignorant, actually, in a way that we're friends and we're going to talk about it within the build your community way to build your community with people who you can talk to and trust to call you out and talk to you about how you're being and call you out not in a way to like further harm but because potentially harm was done and like there's a way to go about moving in the world right i love that yeah i love that oh my gosh i love talking to you so much Oh, me too. <laughs> Can't wait to see you in person. But this is so good. Is there anything that you want to like plug or like tell people like how to find you kind of thing? So I'm not really on the social medias very much. I just have a personal Facebook that doesn't have anything to do with my work right now. But um, Free Body Works is my wellness center. Don't try to make an appointment right now because we're really freaking booked. The next thing available, I think, is October. And uh, Lotus Blooms. If you're in the D.C. area, it's a fantastic shop. We sell lingerie size up to 4X. Very inclusive. We sell like really good quality toys, lubes, and all the things. Most of the people who work there identify as queer. It's a pretty, it's a pretty solid space. So, Awesome. Well, thank you, Jessica, for hanging out with me. This is awesome. This is so awesome. I definitely encourage folks to like listen to the whole thing because there's so much information and so much good stuff. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Thank you for rewatching this if you're rewatching this. Thank you, Jessica, so much for being technically my second guest, but my like first official one that I had to do on IG Live with. <laughs> this was really fun. Bye, everyone. Bye.
friends, it's time to go our separate ways. I hope your body and brain are fully satiated and stimulated from today's episode. Make sure you rate and review today's episode and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Lastly, head on over to goddesscecilia.com. That's G-O-D-D-E-S-S-C-E-C-I-L-I-A.com to find out how you can connect with my guests and me and how you can be a part of the Raw Bar regulars. See you next time.